kind of a funny thing about life for us as human beings. And that is life doesn't truly begin for us until we can truly embrace death. Really living begins once we truly and honestly confront the reality of death in our lives. Now, I'm not just talking about some vague concept of death. Yes, death is out there. I'm talking about our own personal death, that it's a reality, that it's a fact that we all have to deal with. And we've got to come to grips with the reality of death, our own personal physical death, before we will ever find the freedom to totally live as God has designed us to live. On May 10th, 1996, Dallas pathologist Beck Weathers learned that truth at 28,000 feet on the side of Mount Everest. You see, Beck Weathers was a guy who really wanted to live life to the fullest, but he just didn't know how to do that. He felt like his life as a pathologist was mundane and boring, and he just went to work and came home. So he decided he'd begin climbing mountains to really, you know, enthuse and invigorate his life, living it to the fullest. In six years, he climbed the six tallest mountains on six continents. And Mount Everest was to be the seventh of his seven summit expedition and trying to find this fullness of life. But unfortunately, on that May 10th, 1996, which was a tragic year uh, on the side on the mountain, if you can remember that, Beck Weathers truly came to grips with his own death. And he says at that point, he began to live like he never had before, because it was at twenty eight thousand feet that he was left for dead on Mount Everest. He actually went into a type of coma and fell down in the snow, was buried in the snow, frozen, almost solid. In fact, uh, his comrades left him for dead because they thought he was they couldn't even sense him breathing. But somehow, just something inside of him sparked him and he came up out of the the snowbank, his arms frozen out like this, and somehow staggered to the camp and survived. As a result of the damage that was done, he lost his right arm below the elbow. He lost all the fingers on his left hand and now has kind of a web. His nose had to be removed because of frostbite. But in spite of everything he suffered and all that he lost, Beckweather says that now he's truly living life to the fullest because he had to confront his own death. And now he said he's truly living. You see, that's the funny thing about life is sometimes we don't live it to the fullest because we take it for granted. Sometimes we, we don't really consider the fact that this life is very short and uncertain. We don't have forever. We can't say tomorrow I'll do this and tomorrow I'll do that because tomorrow might not ever come. We don't have any guarantees. And until we come to grips with our own death and its reality, we'll never truly begin to live life as fully as we possibly can. So let me ask you a very penetrating question this morning. And that is, how conscious are you of your own death? How much time have you spent thinking about death? Do you realize that death is really about life 
I mean, it's a part of this whole process that we're in. Death is just as certain as life, and it's something that we need to consider. How comfortable are we with the fact that we're going to die physically at some point in time? Until we can become comfortable with that and embrace that, I really think we end up living in fear. and We don't live life to the fullest. And the way that we answer the questions about our own death will determine in great measure the quality not only of our life, but also the quality of our death. You see, the founder of Pennsylvania, William Penn, he put it this way. He said, we cannot love to live if we cannot bear to die. Jesus put it this way. He said, unless a seed falls to the earth and dies, it cannot bear fruit. And then contemporary Christian writer Eugene Peterson, he puts it this way in his book, Leap Over a Wall. Listen to what he says. He says, it seems odd, even contradictory, that in order to live totally, we must face death totally. But it's true. Learning how to live necessarily involves a good deal of meditation on and consideration of death. If we don't give our full attention to death, but spend our lives avoiding the subject and obscuring it with euphemisms, we diminish our lives. Denial of death is the avoidance of life. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that it's important for us to embrace our our own death? Not the vague concept, but the reality if we truly want to live as fully as we possibly can while we're here. And I would say that's true. That's something we all need to engage in. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to start a little seven week series called Dying to Live. The sense that we will never truly begin to live until we become comfortable with and accept the reality of death and dying. And we're going to look at death from a Christian perspective in an effort to understand how to embrace death in a way that will truly enable us to live as fully as possible. We'll examine topics like, you know, how we die. What's kind of the process of death? What happens after we die? What happens to our spirit immediately at the moment of our death? What what happens? Where do we go? We'll look into what heaven is actually like and what it will be like to live there. There's a lot of misconceptions about heaven, particularly among Christians. You know, we have this image of sitting on a white fluffy cloud with our little hearts, just kind of, you know, meditating for eternity or something. Not something I get too excited about. We'll look into the aging process and and kind of just that that road we all travel as we get older and things start to fall apart, which is a part of life and a part of death. And this morning, I just want us to begin uh, our journey by taking a look at three basic facts concerning death. Now, some of you don't look all that excited out there. You know, it's kind of like, wow, a series on death. This is going to be fantastic. Well, it's going to be when you start to learn and start to understand and start living with the reality of what happens after we die and where we're headed and what God has planned for us, there is nothing more exciting, more motivating than those realities. It's just that little kind of transition getting there that troubles us. The dying part, you know. I like the heaven part. I like the living part. It's that kind of little door we have to go through that no one gets too excited about. So I want you to smile a little, you know, lighten up. This isn't You know, uh, I'm not the grim reaper or anything, but uh, we're going to have a good time as we study 
uh, death because we'll learn how to live more fully as a result. And so this morning, we're just going to look at three basic facts about death. And the first fact I want us to understand is this. Our death is absolutely certain. And you say, duh. Uh, But the reality is, oftentimes we live in this kind of world where death is certain for everyone else out there. But we never think of it in terms of ourselves. Death is always something that happens to someone else sometime. But we don't really uh, consider that our death is absolutely certain. I'd like you to turn with me to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, right after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Because in these verses, King Solomon communicates the absolute certainty of death for all of us as human beings. Something that we need to grapple with. We're going to look at chapter 2, verse 16, and then we're going to jump down and look at chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, to see what Solomon, the great man of wisdom, what he has to say to us about the certainty of death. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 16, Solomon says this. He says, For the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, both will be forgotten. Isn't that great? For the wise and the foolish both died just alike. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, both will be forgotten. When he says that both will be forgotten... He, he is saying that we will be forgotten, in a sense, forever. There's coming a point in time when we will die and there will be no memory of us on the earth, for most of us, that will be kind of forever forgotten. And, and, it's, and it's kind of certain that that's going to happen to us. And look what he says here in chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. He says, for everything there is a season. A time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest. So Solomon says there's an appointed time for everything, for life, for being born and for dying. Now, it's interesting how he uses the words here, because in in the first verse, when he says there's a season for everything, some of your Bibles might say there's an appointed time. Um, what he's really saying is that the whole idea of a season is it's a duration of time. That there's this period of time that we have, uh, that there's a season or a duration for everything. And then he says there's a time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. He kind of switches up here. And when he says there's a season for everything, he then says, but there's a time to be born And a time to die. And that word that he uses has to do with a fixed, definite, predetermined time. Not just kind of the season, but he says when it comes to our birth and our death, there is an appointed time. There is a fixed, definitive time for our birth and for our death. Just as the seasons are predetermined and fixed, where summer comes before fall and fall, you know, comes before winter, and no one can change that. That's how God has designed it. It happens just like that. And what Solomon is saying is the same for our birth and for our death. You know, if you ever look at the obituaries 
And you're saying, boy, now he's really getting weird. But if you ever just look at the obituaries in the paper, it's, it's always amazing to me where it will say uh, for certain people, uh, this person died suddenly and unexpectedly. Suddenly and unexpectedly. But that's only to us. That's only to the person dying. From God's perspective, it was appointed. In Psalm 139, it says that all the days of our life are written down in his book before we even begin living one day. God has already determined the span of our life. It's not a coincidence that we were born when we were born and that we will die when we will die. It's by divine providence and appointment. And our death is absolutely certain. There's absolutely no way we can get out of it. In Hebrews 9.27, it says it's appointed for men to die once. And after this comes the judgment for all of us. It's absolutely certain and established. In fact, it's, it's kind of strange to think about the fact that God has already predetermined the time of my death. He already knows the day, the week, the month, the hour, the second. It's already predetermined. I'm glad I don't know, but he does. And so when it happens, it might be a surprise to me, but it's not going to be a surprise to him. Absolutely certain. Now, you might say, well, why harp on that? Why spend that? This is so simple. I mean, everyone should understand that. But the reality is we don't. We don't think about it in those terms. We don't think about the fact that God has already set a time for us. He's given us a certain amount of years. We live in a culture that does everything it possibly can to avoid the reality of death. I mean, all the obsession with, you know, cosmetic surgery and all of the supplements and vitamins and exercise, all this kind of stuff. We try to put off death as long as we can. And the way to clear a room, if you're at a dinner party or something, is start talking about death. You know, hey, have you thought about this lately? You know, Uh, I have, you know, and you start talking about death and people just they're out because no one wants to talk about it. We're all trying to avoid it. I know people that don't even like going to the hospital to visit sick relatives because it reminds them of their own mortality. It reminds them of death and they just don't want to deal with it. I think some people think if you put it out of your mind, it's not going to happen to me. But it's going to. It's absolutely certain. I'll tell you, if if you're really brave, uh, you can do something. I did this. Uh, In fact, I now know the exact day of my death, February 25th. 2032. I've got 25 years left. In fact, uh, this uh, website I went to says I've got about 770 million seconds left. Uh, and as I was looking at it, they were just ticking down. I thought, boy, I got to get out of here because just watching my life drain away was kind of depressing. But you can you can go to a website called deathclock.com. You can put in your vital statistics and it will tell you the day of your death. You know, of course, supposedly, according to them. Now, what really bothered me was Sue doesn't die till 2060. So I thought, man, she's going to have like 25, 28 years without me. You know, I'm going to have to do something about that. Um, but uh, it's but it's a very sobering thing. You know, sure, it's kind of just, you know, silly to, to do something like that. But all of a sudden, when you plug that in and it comes up, the day of your death is February 25th, 2032. You've got 770 million seconds left and they're just ticking off right in front of you. Kind of brings it home a little bit, you know, I'm I'm glad I didn't say, you know, you know, July 29th, you know, 2007 or something. But 
the reality of death is certain. And we need to understand that we need to live with a consciousness of death as a part of life. The minute you are born, you begin the process of dying. You ever think of it that way? Every second that we're alive, we're moving closer to that appointed time. And it should really give focus and purpose to our lives that we invest every moment, that that we invest the minutes God has given us. That's the first fact I think we need to understand is uh, our death is absolutely certain. It can't be avoided. But there's a second fact, and that is our fear of death is real and legitimate. The reason we don't like to talk about it, the reason we try to avoid it is because at some levels we fear death. And I think that fear needs to be recognized and dealt with honestly because it's very real. In fact, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. Even as Christians who have a guarantee of resurrection and uh, eternal life, there's still this fear of death that we have. And there's a reason for that. Look what the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. He says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way... Could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of death? The writer to the Hebrews says, in a sense, our entire life is lived with this kind of fear of death on our shoulder. This always lingering in the shadows of everything we do is this knowledge that someday we're going to die and someday our spouse is going to die and someday our kids are going to die. And it's like this fear of death almost enslaves us, he says. But it also says that Jesus Christ came in human form to live and then to die so that he could free us and liberate us from this slavery to death because the sting of death is sin. That brings eternal punishment. But because of Christ and his death and his resurrection, he's taken away the sting of death. And now we don't have to fear it in the same way. But think about it. Even Jesus in his humanity had a certain fear of death. Remember when he was going to the cross and he prayed and cried out to God, remove this cup from me. I don't want to die like this. I don't want to be tortured and hung on a cross to die. There's a fear of that. Even though Jesus knew with certainty where he was going. And so we can be honest about that fear of death. Now, it's not necessarily death itself that we fear. It's kind of the process of dying. It's kind of that unknown. How is it going to happen to me? You see, I don't really fear death itself. It's just I kind of worry about how is it going to happen? You know, am I, am I going to you know, hit a bridge or something? Or, uh, you know, am I going to be eaten by a bear when I'm out camping? I mean, you just no idea how is it going to happen to me? You know, I'm not really big on pain. Some of you might enjoy it, but I don't. And so the thought of having a long kind of drug out illness of some kind that's very painful, boy, that worries me. I get a little afraid of that. Now, I don't mind the part after I die or the, pro- the, the point of death. It's just kind of how's it going to happen? And that's normal. 
It's a normal and legitimate fear for us as human beings who who have to live in the flesh. It's interesting. There's a uh, an interview with Billy Graham. You know, his wife, Ruth, just recently passed away and died. And he was asked if he feared death. And Billy Graham uh, was interviewed and he said, uh, I'm not afraid of death, but I do have some fears about dying. How is it actually going to happen? I think that's the fear that, that most of us have, even as Christians. Cardinal Joseph Bernadine, who was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer a few years back, was given three years to live. And, and he was asked uh, if he was afraid of dying. And he said the same thing. I'm not really afraid of dying. I'm just afraid of suffering because he saw his father suffer with the same kind of aggressive cancer that he had. And he watched his father go through this struggle. And he said, that's what I'm really afraid of is is going through that process. I'm not afraid of death itself. But then he processed it during those those years that he was suffering and struggling. And in his final months, he actually published a book called The Gift of Peace. And he says that as he began to deal with his fear and not deny it, he began to actually see death as a friend and as a companion that was going to take him to where he wanted to go and to where his future would be great. You see, one of the facts that we need to embrace is that fearing death is okay as human beings. It's a legitimate thing. How is it going to happen? You know, how is it going to feel? We don't need to deny that, but we don't have to fear what happens after death because of what Christ has done for us. But there's a third fact, and that is, and this is the good news. We finally get to some good news here this morning, and that is our life does not end with death. Our real life does not end with death. In spite of the fact that death is certain, in spite of the fact that we all to some degree experience a fear of death and dying, the reality is our life doesn't end with death. Look at John 11. The Gospel of John chapter 11 verses 23 through 26. This is where Jesus catches up with Mary and Martha after their brother Lazarus has died and is in the grave. And he begins a conversation with them. And he talks to Martha and he says, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24. Yes, Martha said he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she says, yes, and she gives her explanation, but she doesn't really understand what Jesus is actually saying. Jesus is talking about two kinds of life and two kinds of death here. There's spiritual life and spiritual death, and there's physical life and there's physical death. When we are physically born, we are born spiritually dead. The Greek word for, uh, for death is simply separation. It just means separated from God. Our spirit is separated from God because of sin, and we're born in sin. So we're physically born, but we're born spiritually dead. 
And then at some point, if we trust in Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for our sins, then we become spiritually born again. We experience spiritual life. And then if we experience spiritual life, he says we will live forever, even if we physically die. Because physical death is simply the separation of our spirit from our body. God has given us this physical flesh and blood body so that we can navigate in this world. And it houses our spirit, which is the source or our true life essence. And just because this physical body dies doesn't mean that we spiritually die. We'll spiritually live forever. And in fact, the Bible teaches us, and we'll look in depth at this, that after the second coming of Christ, when our physical bodies will be resurrected just like the body of Jesus, and our spirit will be reacquainted or come back to our glorified physical body and we will live with a physical body just like the glorified body of Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. In heaven, we're not going to be just disembodied spirits floating around for eternity. The good news is not only will we have spiritual life forever and ever, but our spirit will actually be housed in our glorified body, a body just like the body Jesus rose from the dead with. So that kind of puts a little different flavor on this whole idea of eternity in the sense that we will have physical bodies that you can touch, that you can feel, just like Jesus told the disciples, hey, feel me, I'm real. This is a flesh and blood body. But it's been reorganized. The atoms, the molecules have been changed, transformed so that it can function in eternity instead of this physical planet that we have now. And we're going to talk about how God is going to recreate a, plant, the, a new heaven and a new earth where we will live in, in absolute splendor and beauty and perfection, just like we were designed to. But we need to understand that death is not the end of life for us, that we will go on living forever and ever in our glorified bodies. In fact, turn to First Thessalonians real quick as we kind of conclude here. But First Thessalonians chapter 13, because the Apostle Paul kind of shares a little bit about this process with the Thessalonians who were worried about this whole idea of dying and death. And here's what Paul says to them. First Thessalonians, chapter four, verse 13. Paul says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. The reality that our life continues on. I mean, you think about that. 
we are we are living eternal life right now. If we are conscious of that, if we embrace uh, our death and, and begin to fully live, we can live with confidence, uh, without fear, knowing that nothing can conquer us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God who we'll spend eternity with because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And one of the keys to truly living life to its fullest is beginning to embrace our death, not in a morbid way. I don't think I would ever take the death clock and put it on my desk, you know, or or hang up February 25th, 2032, because I'm who knows, I might kind of be a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, and I don't want that. But I think we need to be conscious of that reality, which will help us to live more fully. And so as we begin to explore the subject of death in the coming weeks and we get into some of these topics a little bit more in detail and deeper, we need to face the fact that death is absolutely certain for all of us. It can't be avoided. We need to face the fact that our fear of death is real and legitimate. There's no reason we need to try to deny that or say that we're not fearful. And we need to realize that our life doesn't end with death. It goes on forever and ever. And just as an action step, let me just encourage you or challenge you to do this. You know, why not take some time this week as we kind of prepare for these seven weeks to really consider uh, how are you dealing with this whole area of death? What have you thought about it? What do you fear the most about it? I think for all of us, the fears are different. For some of us, it's how we're going to die. Is it going to be painful? Is it going to hurt? Because I'm kind of a baby and I don't want to go through that. For some people, it's going to be the fear of being a burden on others as we age and as we maybe suffer and go through that process. For others, maybe it's the fear of leaving loved ones behind or children behind. And what's going to happen to them? I mean, for all of us, that will be different. But take some time this week to just consider the reality of this whole concept of death, because we're all in this together. None of us are going to get out of here alive, you know, eternally alive. But we all face death together. And so take some time to to consider what is it that concerns you the most and maybe even write out some of the questions you have. And hopefully over the next seven weeks, if you have those questions that you have, they'll be answered as we go through these different topics on death. So let's pray that God would really encourage us as we study death, because death really is the key to life and eternal life with him. Let's pray together. Father, Thank you so much for what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that Jesus has taken away the sting of death and we no longer need to fear death itself. Father, it's true that I think most of us have fear of the process on some level. But Father, I pray that you would enable us to truly live a life that is what you have designed for us, a life full of vigor and vision and passion that isn't trying to avoid the inevitability of death, but is not controlled by it either. Father, we just pray that you would enable us to live like you and for you and to share the good news with others that when we believe in Jesus Christ and place our faith in him, Even as Jesus said, we will live even if we die. And if we believe in you and live, we will never die. Father, make this true for each of us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.